Hi, folks. This is GOK number 43. My name is James Kennison, and you can find out more about what I do at uh, NLCast.com. Um, today, I wanted to talk about dads. Dads, always a, uh, a topic close to my heart. Um, as and sensitive, I should say, not 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 close. Um, but I, it's just this here in my whole here my whole theme, in one statement. I have always thought that not having a dad was the worst thing in the world, for you know, for anybody. But after an experience that I had on Tuesday morning. I've realized there is something worse, and that is it's worse to have a dad, but he sucks, or he's mean, or he's judgmental. And so I'm going to talk a little bit today about how that has affected me and um, how it will probably you know, affect the rest of my life. It's not a big thing, but you know, it, it it's it, it was it was brain changing. Maybe not life changing, but brain changing. So, you know, I my dad left when I was really young, and uh, my mom got married a few years later to another guy, and so I, I guess I've already I've always known this. Because I've I've been in both experiences. I'm realizing it as I'm saying it. I've been without a father, and then I was with one that was really, really, you know, bad, uh, you know, abusive, uh, especially you know physically, but especially emotionally. Um. But I, I when I look back at my life, I kind of just can have always considered myself as someone that just didn't have a dad. But I had one, I, you know, I was abandoned by my, my original one. Um, there was a brief period of time where there was visitation and then there was, there was nothing. And that's apparently, you know, when the decision was made um, to, to, I think it's when he got married, you know, again. And the decision was made that we're moving forward and we're not going to see him anymore. Um you know, I, I, I guess that's not even fair to blame him for that. But, um, but then later, like I said, my mother got married. I was eight when it happened, seven or eight, I guess. And again, seems young. They divorced when I was in high school. So I guess I did have a dad for most of my childhood or at least half of it. But he was mean he was angry. He was stressed out. He was overworked. He was underappreciated. He was um, he was mean. He was mean to me. Um, he was mean to all of us, my sisters included, but especially I felt like me. He singled me out. Um, I was stupid. I um, I had a scientific mind. Um, basically, mocked the way I problem solved thought up stuff. Um, but I was wimpy. I didn't like gross things. I didn't like, you know, certain things. 
and uh, this was seen as weakness. And uh, him being a an ex marine, pretty much everything about me, you know, made him uh, despise me. So yeah, bad dad sucked. But when he, but even before he left, though, he started losing his powers over us and over my me. And that was because my mother was done with him. It was time for him to go, and it took a while. You know, and he was sleeping on couches and stuff like that in the house. But that's when he just kind of was silent, and his power was gone, um, and he left. And I want to say that happened when I was 14 or 15, you know, probably 15, probably ninth grade. I don't know. Maybe later. I, my timeline's all jacked up because a lot of stuff happened right in there. My my real dad um, died. My grandmother died, who was awesome, and uh, and then the divorce occurred. And again, not necessarily in that order. Um, but yeah, definitely definitely a very stinky order of events. Very uh, challenging and all that kind of stuff. All I had to say that I've been on both sides. Of this, but Tuesday, Tuesday, I uh, I got to see something, and I'm going to keep it very generic. But I was at a was an event um, with with a friend, and his father was there. And this friend of mine is is probably older than me. I'm not actually sure. I would guess you know in his mid 40s. So he is not a a, a spring chicken. He's got a He's got a kid who's been married for like six years. Okay, so that's that's where he's at. Um, he may be his mid fifties. I don't know. His dad is definitely you know twenty thirty older years older than him. Gray hair, the whole thing. And I just got the distinct impression that this guy was really intense. And as the conversations um, happened around the table, as they typically do. Um, you know, there were friendly people around the table talking, keeping it light. And it was obvious that this, this father guy was not one of the friendly ones. He was intense. He had a, uh, an agenda, I suppose, kind of a weird thing for just a, a little friendly, uh, breakfast, you know? But um, he talked about things that I I agreed with. Um, he talked about um, outreach and bus ministry, things that I am passionate about. Um, but uh, but what I would hear casually through the conversation was um, him him dominating his son in conversation. Uh, his son is over a uh, a smaller. Uh, congregation apparently dad is big big crap which i doubt i doubt it i doubt he's as big as crap as he thinks he is that's the funny thing and i'll tell you about that in a second but i heard this i was talking to somebody friendly and then i i you know how you come back in the middle of a conversation and i hear well, well dad i've i've been busy this week i i've done three hospital visits or no no dad says you've done it yeah i've done three and the, and the the dad looks at his coworker there and just says three <laughs> like that. I mean, literally, like out of a playbook, 
for butthole dads. You know, that's like the movie stereotype is, oh, son, you're whatever. And, um, yeah, there was, there was some other, there was some other thing that was just like that, but that, that's it. I mean, that summarizes that whole relationship. I can tell you right now that guy, that guy's whole life, he's been living in the shadow of this quote unquote great man who has not supported him. He's never been quite enough. And now that goes back to my story because with, with my stepdad, when they first got married, I was absolutely thrilled and I was ready to earn this guy's love. And yes, I said earn because I assumed that's what I had to do because there was virtually no relationship um, beforehand with any of us for that matter. Um, and I, and I did, and I failed. And so I continued to try. I continued to try to do everything I could to be like him. I, I excelled in Boy Scouts. I became uh, an assistant patrol leader and then a patrol leader and even chaplain's aide um, and, and got up the ranks all the way up to first uh, because, because he would tell me, you know, oh, I was, you know, I was a patrol leader and, oh, I was first class, you know, and I was this, that, and the other. And, 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 and it was always held out as this thing that I couldn't achieve and I would achieve it. And then there was no payoff. There was no good job. Proud of your son. I'm going to show up at your thing, um, to see you get it, which you did do that, but it was through the eyeball of a camera lens. Um, instead of being there and, you know, himself, well, he was there, but you know what I'm saying? He was behind a camera. That was his buffer. Uh, but everything, that he wanted from me or everything he held out to me as a, an achievement as a, Hey, if you do this, I will finally accept you and love you. Um, I always saw it kind of as a st set of stairs like five steps up. Here was the achievement. Um, here was the acceptance. Uh, and though I would make those five steps and meet that achievement, the acceptance would bump up in relation to how many steps I had climbed. So five steps up was another goal uh, and the promise of acceptance and, and uh, support and love. And I saw that. I saw that at the table, at the breakfast table on Sunday. And it broke my heart. And I realized that the only thing worse than not having a dad is having one, but he is a, a, a jerk just, you know, a jerk. And I did a little research on the family, especially him. I didn't have to go far. Um, you know, it was a website and all this kind of stuff. And I found out, you know, this guy has a very manly past. Um, and an honorable one. You know, the, the guy did great things. And I believe doing great things now. Not judging him completely by what I saw on uh, Tuesday. I'm just judging what he did by how I saw it affect his son. I recognize those eyes that left the contact of the father and drifted down to the table to look not at it, but through it and off into nothing. Just one more time on the abacus, flipping one more little time um, that I have failed. 
that I am not good enough, I'm not smart enough, and by God, people don't like me. I can relate, sir. Very much relate. And so from now on, I, I, I realized that um, my life would have been better, so much better, probably. <laughs> you always have to say probably. Um, if, I, if my mother never remarried, I'd have been better off without a dad altogether than to have one that I, the one I did. Um, I will say this, I wouldn't change a thing about that because I do have two brothers that would not exist otherwise. So it was worth it. Um, and they have families now that they're getting with and all that. Happy for them, but uh, but yeah, I think it would have been better not to have one. So, how does that change the rest of my life? Well, I'm not going to feel as sorry for myself. Um, it'll change the way I also, you know, counsel and talk to other people because in the past I've had people ask me, James, you know, I'm in a similar situation as you. I have a dad, but I know where he is, and he wants to. You know, even may or not. No, he didn't want to. But I want, I want to reach out to him. Should I or should I not? I never had the opportunity to reach out to mine. Passed away before I had a chance. And I've told folks, I've told folks this: that you are pining not for the relationship that you would have with them. You are pining for the idea of a father. And there's a difference, and let me explain. Because some of you have dads, and you don't, you're not going to get it. And some of you don't, and you're like, "What?" People want when when people don't have dads, or they have a sucky dad. Um, they, but especially when they don't have dads, they really, really want their dad back. They do. They think that that is the solution. That my life sucks, but if he was back. We'd be better off. I thought that. I thought that for a long time. And I guess I've always thought that. But I realized the reality is that the the life that... The, the same thing that caused him not to be there in the first place is the very thing that would cause the problems if he had been there. There is something broken about a person who can abandon his children. We long for a relationship with this person. And but, but but we do not long for a relationship with the actual person. We make up this alternate reality and we add to it not just that he comes back, but that he comes back different and perfect and he's the person that he would be or that I need him to be. He becomes the solution for the problems he caused. That's what we do. He can't be the solution for the problems he caused. I mean, yes, he could. If he changed, if he completely changed, on and on and on. Uh, But typically in the situation where the dad doesn't want to come home, there is no change there is only the pain that is caused, the hole that is left in your soul, and you assume that he comes back that it would fill it. I've been there 
Hopefully you haven't, but if you have, you know what I'm talking about. You're not in your head, and you're like, yes, there is a hole in me, and it is not filled. And um, it's in my guts. It's in my very heart. It's a dad-shaped hole, and it would be nice for him to come and fill it. Well, he can't. He is the one that made it. And that the, the kind of person that would do that to a child is the kind of person that doesn't have the ability to fix it. So when I would have kids come to me in, in youth group and, and tell me that they're wanting this relationship, I would try to explain to them, no, you do not, you're not asking for a relationship with this person. You're asking for a relationship that is not, that is never, that, that doesn't exist, that can't exist. It's with someone who can heal you. And this person's broken. This person made a hole in you. And it stands to reason that nine times out of ten, if you were in relationship with them, that the hole's going to get worse, not better, because they're just going to show you who they are. And they're going to let you down again. I never had the opportunity, like I said, to reconnect with my um, dad, my real dad. But everything that I've learned about him leads me to believe that he would not be able to handle me anyway. He's extremely manic depressive, uh, you know, ab ab abusing drugs and alcohol more than likely along with uh, prescription medication. Just, just a, a mess. Just a mess. And I feel sorry for him. I really do. Because um, now that I've dealt with uh, his, gen his genes and I've gone through my crap, um, I understand how hard it is. Uh, but also, since I survived it and, uh, and came through it without um, any of the vices, um, I also know that it was in him because it was in me um, to have changed, to have stayed uh, away from the, dark, the darkest side of, of the dark side of depression, which is the self-destructive side, the side where we use drugs and alcohol and, and prescription medication and, and, and immorality to try to, you know, take the pain away. Um, and, and it just makes it worse. <clears throat> I, I can say I am proud by God that I did avoid those things. Uh, it does not make me better than him. Uh, it just means that I'm better off and my family is and my, I'm with my kids and my kids are, are with me and they don't have a dad shaped hole in their hearts and they never freaking will. And they will never have to sit around and pine for a relationship that would never even be possible. Just to help you understand what I've been talking about, because I, I always have a hard time phrasing all this stuff properly. Imagine that um, that you really, 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 you know, th there's this roller coaster um, that has been, you, find, you read it on the news, it's being torn down after 30 years. It's gone. And, and your heart breaks in a little bit, you know, because you're like, oh, I always, that was like, I always meant to ride that. It was right in my neighborhood. I never went over there and rode that. It was like one of the best roller coasters. I always heard good things about it, you know. Or maybe maybe you had ridden it. Um, I don't know. But in my, my story, you haven't. How about that? You haven't ridden it. But it goes down, 
And um, and you sit around and you think about this. And you're like, ah, oh, crap. I just wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I'd been able to do this. And you have all this remorse and everything like that. But here's the reality is that the, the ride sucked. It was a bad roller coaster. That's why they tore it down. And here you are sitting around pining for something. But are you pining for a bad roller coaster ride? No, you're not. You're pining for what you imagined the roller coaster ride would have been. Not the reality, but what you hoped, what you needed it to be. <clears throat> and that's similar. Okay, it's the closest I could come to explaining what I'm talking about. Just don't waste time pining for a relationship that would suck because it wouldn't be what you'd hope for. It would not be what you think it is or could be. It would be a letdown. It's, I, I got to imagine it's the same with adopted kids who find out they're adopted. Oh, I want to find my real mom. This is going to be a life-changing experience. I'm going to find out who this woman is and, and, and maybe even him, uh, which I doubt is the case most of the time. It's probably just the mom. But I'm going to find out who they are and what, you know, then I'll know more about me and it'll answer all these questions that I've had my entire life. And, and then if they meet them, I would wager that they come away with more questions most of the time than answers. And I'm sure there's wonderful stories. I'm sure there's lots of graphics on Tumblr that explain how everything is amazing and beautiful. But in reality, a lot of times it's not. So I guess I'm about done, um, except to say that, that in my life, the way it's, re, you know, respond, the way it's affected me is uh, I'm going to feel even less sorry for myself, for one. I, I, I don't sit around feeling sorry for myself, but um, it definitely, definitely uh, made me think, you know what, if, if Homeboy, my first dad, had hung around, it would have been worse for my family than even the stepdad was because we would have been there to the worst of the worst. And he would have still gone down the way he went down all the way to what I believe was, was suicide. Uh, but he would have drug us down with him. And as low as I was and as depraved as I became as a result of my childhood, um, it would have been just that much worse. I do believe that there is an alternate reality out there. Not, not, you know, not really believe, but I always like to think about it where I'm in a trailer park, uh, leaning out the door with a wife, a dirty wife beater, screaming at my wife who's going to work while I'm sitting around a house. And, uh, boy, that's... <laughs> It's almost like what's actually happening. But in that reality, I'm evil and stupid and drunk and, and, and retarded and dumb. And please excuse all my phrases. I'm using them in the eighth grade sense, not the not, not what I understand them to be now. I'm sorry. But um, I avoided that. That was that was what I was supposed to become. That that was following in the pattern in the footsteps of my predecessor. Um, and I believe that is what a generational curse is, my friends. 
Um, yes, I believe there's a spiritual element, but maybe it's but but it's a small one. It's 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 only because people have spirits in them, you know, souls, uh, that it's a spiritual issue. I believe that it is a pattern. Generational curses are are not some spirit that needs to be cast out of you. It is a pattern of behavior that is taught and learned. And I saw this in the other city where uh, kids were learning from their parents and mistakes they made. And rather than being able to learn from them, they, they was all they could do. And all they thought they could do was repeat them. And, and this cycle of, of, uh, of, uh, immorality, um, keeps people, uh, in, in the ghetto and it keeps people, um, where they're not supposed to be. But, um, Let's close up this way. I am so thrilled that my kids, um, they can say a lot of things. They can say dad uh, left his job and that was weird. Uh, they can say dad was sick for a year and that was weird. Didn't talk to us much. They could say that we lost uh, our ability to go to an amazing school and had to go to public school. And um, that would be true. But um, in the big picture, uh, they're still growing. They're still improving. My influence and uh, the fact that I'm here is, is adding to their life rather than subtracting. And that's what's important. And them having a father, I guess at the end of the day is what I'm trying to say, is better than them not having me. And if you're sitting out there and you're pining for a father um, and, you're, and your life is being held up by this idea that if I had it different, things would be better, I will submit to you that it is quite possibly that very idea that is holding you back more than what you are imagining is holding you back. Life is 10% what happens to you. And it's a harsh 10%. But the 90% is how you respond to it. The influence that you have on your life is always greater than the influence of anyone else. Because you decide how it's going to affect you and if, if you can get over it and learn it, learn from it and, and fight it. And even if you're in a desperate, horrible situation where you have absolutely no control, you find what you can control and you control it. You own it and you work it and you fight and you, you strive and you fail and you, you give up and you, you hurt and you regain your strength and then you get up and you try again to the point that one day whoever's been watching you, whether it's been your kids or whether it's just you, but you can go on your final day and say, you know what? Maybe it never improved. Maybe I had to fight every single day, but I never gave up. See, my, my dad, my real dad, I hate calling him dad because dad's like an endearing term. My father, Lewis, um, he didn't lose me the day he left my mom, okay? 
He didn't lose me when he remarried. He didn't lose me when my mom married Lewis. He didn't lose me the day that he committed suicide and we got a phone call. He didn't lose me at his funeral. He didn't lose me uh, years and years and years of just not knowing who he was. He didn't lose me until one day when I got a letter from a um, from from his uh, from his wife, full of photos of him and just different things, which was neat, which was neat. But inside, for some reason, there was a copy of uh, that he had gotten of the adoption records that he, that, that I, when I was like eight or nine or whatever, um, it was decided that he should release his parental rights and, uh, that my, I would take my father or my stepdad's name, uh, Kennison and his middle name for that matter which I hate. <laughs> uh, so it was decided and, and there was a big fight. I don't remember much about it other than I had a lot of daycare or, uh, you know, sitters, I guess I should say sitters um, with us uh, as they went to court. Apparently my stepdad or my real dad didn't want this to happen for a time. But the story goes, as far as I understand it, that eventually he got worn down and maybe due to his depression, he was convinced that his involvement in our life um, was was worse for us than, than good, I guess. Um, and he signed the paper. And I'm sitting there looking at his signature, and that's that's when he lost me. It's the the day he wrote us off. Because you can say whatever. You can say, oh, he had problems. He was depressed. He was this, he was that. He gave us away. He gave up. Quit. Signed it. And I can judge him harshly because I would never, ever, ever, ever give up my kids willingly. You would have to stake me to a wall through my freaking hands and feet. To be able to get my kids away from me. I can't even fathom. I cannot even fathom. I don't even want to think about it because then it makes me feel worse. I I, I just take the fact that he did that. And, I'm, and I just apply it to my life. 10% what happens to you, 90% how you react to it. And I react to it by saying I will never be that guy. My kids are going to know every stinking day of their life how much they mean to me. And even on my worst day, which I have had, and I may have worse, but I hope not. But even on my worst day, they still got prayed with. They still got hugged. They still got kissed. They still had their artwork looked at and their stories heard. And there were jokes told on the days I could tell jokes. And there were things 
there were ho- there were vacations that I went on that I did as much as I could and had to go back to the hotel room and just cry for hours while they finished it up. But when they look back, see, they won't remember all that, all the bad stuff, because they, they, I avoided, you know, them seeing that. They'll remember the tidbits, the good bits, and there will never be a day in their mid thirties when they crack open a letter and see my signature that says so much more than Wayne Lewis Rogers. And I hope one day we're all having breakfast. Their kids are around the table too. And things are so simple because me and mom stayed married. And it's just us. It's no drama. Outside of the fact that I still keep my clothes on the floor instead of in the hamper. <laughs> and I ask my son, whatever he chooses to do, how was your day? What did you do? And he says, oh, I had, had three visits that I had to make today. He claims he wants to be a teacher right now. He's giving up on the children's pastor thing. I don't blame him. I had to, I had to go to this that and the other and I'll say awesome. <laughs> That's it. It's not a big amazing hard thing to do. You just accept them. I guess I could go another hour about why parents and fathers specifically don't do that. You know, why they can't just do that. Why, why maybe they hold on to this imaginary idea too of what my son or daughter should have been, especially sons though. I wanted him to be like me. I wanted him to be a man of men. I wanted this relationship, this kind of thing, and I can't have it. It's not what I wanted. And so... Rather than give that up and say, okay, now let me find out what is special about the da- the son that I do have and learn to celebrate that. Because I'm having to do the same thing. I'll be honest with you. Jay, Jay's a great guy. I love him. I love him. But he is not what I would make him into if I could. Because he get scared about stuff. He is not a go-getter. I want him to be like Jenna. I want him to get off, and, and when when things are, are brand new, I want him to get excited about it. I want him to tackle it. I want him to take it on and do the best because the truth is he is really good at stuff. He just needs to be convinced of it first because he doesn't want to be wrong. He doesn't want to try things when he's not sure about it the first time, and I understand all of that, and it drives me crazy, and you guys on this very show have heard me talk about him with his swim and his stuff like that, crying and all these kind of things. It is very unmasculine. It is very uncool, and I do not like it. But I balance that against everything that I've been talking about for the last 25 minutes, and I I have to stop, and I have to say, okay, this is who he is, and yes, we're going to work on it, and yes, he has got to get to the point in his life where he can do this and keep 
some of that stuff bottled up inside because he can't be 25 and, 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 you know, taking his wife to the hospital for the first time and so freaking scared he can't even get out of bed. Okay, that's the extreme, obviously, but it, but there's something. There is a happy medium somewhere between where he is now at six years old and where he's got to be at 25. In that meantime, I have to find out what is awesome and special and unique and why he does these things, and I have to help him to face his shortcomings that we all have. We're born with them, so why hate on somebody for having them? And then I have to help him to grow the positive things in his life, and so. The conversation right now goes something like this. Jay, I, we did this the other day. It was uh, He was starting school for the first time. And he was very nervous. He was laying in bed crying about it. He, he'd been excited until all of a sudden it was in his face. I said, do you remember when you cried at, at swimming practice? Yes. Do you remember when you cried the first time you went to uh, not even practice, to the, to the meet, and you had to do the thing and you were so scared? Yes. Okay. Do you remember how awesome it was once you did it? Yes. Do you remember how fun it was yes do you remember how eventually after that first time you never you never cried again it was great yes yes i do and i'm going to keep bringing these things up not in a a horrible way you know like you you did this last time you sucked it up you made it miserable and blah, blah, blah. you know you should just be a man and it's not that it's establishing a pattern this is something about you that that we need to work with here's how you respond Here's what actually happens later on. So let's get it in your head that, yes, though I feel these things and though it's it's going to be a little bit scary, I can get through it because if I can push through the fear, if I can push through the uneasiness, if I can push through the self-consciousness and get through it, it's going to be awesome. So that's my job. That's dad's job. Sorry to say it. I'm going to be sexist for a minute. In my family, the mom's job is to kiss the rear end of the little boy who's crying. You know what I'm saying? I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean it in when my wife sees my son crying, she wants to run to him and save him. And I see this all over the place in suburbia especially. They go and save their son. Well, the son doesn't always need to be saved. He needs to face what he's dealing with. And he needs to be supported. And he needs to be reminded and all these different things. And I guess I'm not I'm not I'm not good at it because I'm a good dad. I'm not a good person. I'm good at it because I know what I needed. I know what I didn't have. And I know that there was a lot about me that was not very macho. And still to this day I don't really care or get into that. It's sports and working out and big trucks. All I I could care less. I like geek stuff, I like my television, you know. I like that that big. But other than that, everything else, you know. Hard drives, hard drives, I like those big. Um, but I know there were things about me that weren't very masculine and and it wasn't very, it wasn't, was not, uh, it wasn't okay. There's some things about my son that aren't so masculine. Uh, first of all, he's six, <laughs> so he gets a pass, okay? Secondly, uh, we, like I said, it's not even about masculinity. It's about what 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 in my head I have a vision of for Jay. It's the kind of man that I want him to be, and it is based on who he is. But it is the best version of what I want him to become. I believe it is a vision that God has placed in my heart. There's very few things that I believe God specifically uh, puts in my heart, and that's one of them. So I treasure it. 
And it's not an image of what he looks like or how tall he is or what kind of money he's making or what kind of disappointment he's going to be to me because that's exactly what that kind of crap does. No, it's an image of how he handles his life. It is an idea, a concept. And one of the things that I want him to know is that there's a God that loves them and that he needs to fear and that could could bless him or not bless him, who could move in him or say nothing. But it's also a God that has a, a plan for his life and a, and a God he needs to submit his heart to uh, so on the day he passes that he will be accepted into the throne room of God through the, uh, through the sacrifice of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Um, that is the one thing that, that I'm putting in his head, okay? What he does with it is up to him. But I'm laying out the basics uh, because personally, I just don't believe in forcing my kids to love to love God. I I believe if you properly represent Him, the actual response or the natural response to a loving God is to submit and obey, uh, and, and that's how you show love back. Same with parents; uh, you can force your kids to obey you, or you can, which is the small, the lowest form of leadership. Uh, it's leadership based on position. Um, or you can, or you can train them. Um, or I'm sorry, you can create a relationship with them where they actually care what you think and they want to please you, uh, because they love you. That's a lot easier, a lot less discipline involved. And that's what we've got. So, uh, I'm using that, um, to now look at where his faults are and his flaws, help him to overcome them. And to face them, it's it's a little bit like Dexter, uh, the dad. <laughs> it's an extreme example. Dad saw that son was a serial killer, <laughs> rather than uh, getting him mental help, which he should have done. Um, he he accepted it about him, and he used him uh, and trained him to to get out his bad stuff elsewhere. Terrible example, but the point is, uh, my son <laughs> is going to get my support. Okay, he's going to do better, even if he does grow up and become absolutely crippled by fear and 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 uh, and stress. His mom has little stress problems before every big change, so he kind of gets it honestly. But even if he does, even worst case scenario, is me fighting him and hating him going to help any at all? No, I don't think so. It's when he needs the most love and the most support. So, as I said at the beginning, dads, the whole issue, very, very, uh, it's, it's uh, something close to my heart, something I'm very passionate about. And uh, Tuesday, I saw what I saw. I'd never seen that in real life. You know, I'd never seen that. I'd seen it on TV. Uh, never seen that. Oh, well, you know, I'm better than you at this. In my family, like I said, it was real subtle. It was always just understood that you were never quite, you know, measuring up to the standards that I have, stepdad's standards. But there it was, laid out black and white. So I realized, uh, so I addressed three things. First of all, that, um, you know, pining, pining for a, a relationship that uh, could not exist is is a waste of time. The what-if game is going to hold you up in life. It's going to mess you up. you got to move forward. You say, what now? Uh not, not, and not, not what if, what now? And then, and then the next one was about, um, that sometimes you're better off without the dad. Um, because the dad 
that is that is there that is negative is a terrible thing. And I've seen that in children's ministry. I don't know why it took it till today or the other day to crystallize. I've seen kids that I thought were single parent kids find out, oh, yeah, we've got a dad. But then I find out dad is absolutely not involved in any way in the life. He just takes up space and makes money. And uh, that could be suburban or urban families that I've seen that in. And then, of course, you've got your abusive dads um, that actually mess up kids worse than kids without fathers at all. So um, my heart goes out to people with sucky dads. Um, I had a very simplistic view when I was younger that uh, having a dad, um, parents that were still married, uh, everything was perfect. And that's not the case. And then uh, lastly, uh, I'd say that, that 1090 thing and uh, and supporting your kids, man. Getting behind them, finding out what their what their flaws are, and not rejecting their flaws, um, but helping them to overcome them, and hopefully, you know, yes, uh, uh, remove them, you know, get them to where. Uh, but I believe my thing with Jay is part of his personality. I believe that is part of his personality, and to and not that personalities are perfect, not that parts of personality shouldn't be shaved off or crushed. Um, like if part of your personality is being a butthole. Um, you need to teach your kids not to be a butthole. Uh, and I'm, and I'm doing the same thing, but I just have a feeling in my soul that the boy's always going to be a little nervous about stuff because he does fight it. He does get over it with some help, but I do look forward to that day when I see him start to tear up, but he, uh, he, he pulls it together that, that bottom lip gets stiff and, kind of pokes out and I'm not going to let the tears out and he got, he, and he just does it, whatever it is. I don't care. Puts on his shoes, whatever it is. I'm not, I don't care. And I will celebrate that thing like crazy. And he will know though, even if I never see that moment that I will love him absolutely and completely anyway. Acceptance. Acceptance of a person is not the same thing as an acceptance of what they do. Um, and I'll illustrate that with this. Joel Osteen's wife said some really stupid things. And whether she realizes it or not, everybody's either making uh, excuses for her or they are hating on her. But can't there be this option? That what she said was stupid. But she is still someone of value. She is someone that we can accept. She is someone that is created in the image of God, has a future that he has plans for. Can't we have that? I think what she said about worshiping God for you, I, I kind of know what she probably meant, but that's, again, me giving her the benefit of the doubt. I, I, I probably lean to the fact that she's just out of touch <laughs> with uh, with the reality of a relationship with God and what worship is for. I think they've gotten too far on the happy wagon and not enough. Uh, they got their head in the clouds, but they don't have their feet on the ground. But can I hate what she said and still love and cherish or care for or support um, the person, the person? And in the case of my family, absolutely. Absolutely. 
no matter what they become. And I do mean that. Hope I'm never tested on it. But uh, anyway. So that's it. 48 minutes. Pretty good uh, GOK after all. Um, I, I hope you took something away from this. If you did, please contact me. I'd love to hear from you. James at NLCast.com. Or you can call 2095-NLCast. Um, visit all the uh, podcasts and stuff I do over at NLCast.com. And if I can draw you a picture, uh, let me know. DrawYourPicture.com. And uh, we'll see you next time. Until till then, till then, uh, love the people around you. Accept them the way Christ accepted you. Love people the way he loved you, even if they live in your own home. And if for some reason you're a dad and you have absolutely and totally just dropped your kids off the face of the earth, and, and it's more about the wife, you know, the ex, than it is your kids. You just don't want to deal with it. Deal with it. Don't wait, you know, till you're the perfect version of yourself. Get in there. And don't ever sign a piece of paper. <laughs>